and welcome to another episode of Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. I am Fran, and this week we are discussing two of Canada's finest, Alanis Morissette and Nelly Furtado. And like always, we will discuss if they are over or underrated. This episode is dedicated to Taylor Hawkins and to Babs Cat. Le Tigre. I am currently in a campsite just outside Ottawa where I spend most of my spring breaks and uh, so far there's only been one bear attack so hopefully that's the last of the naughty wildlife but anyway enjoy the podcast. Oh hang on yeah what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated Hello, the internet, and welcome back to Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. Hello, Babs. Hello, Fran. How are you today? <laughs> I am mid tumble dry spin. Ah, oh, do you know what? This is very exciting for all our listeners. Ooh. I almost put the dishwasher on and then I thought, no, it's going to interrupt with the recording. I'd have to close the door to the kitchen. So, you know, I'm thinking of the sound quality. I'm thinking of this podcast. You know, it's constantly on my mind. If you want us to talk about more gadgets we've uh, paused, let us know. Yeah, we can start a Patreon where we describe all the chores we have to do every day. If that's like, If that sounds like your kind of thing, let us know. So, Babs, what have you been listening to this week? Well, Fran, I am, fingers crossed, going to the UK tomorrow. So I have been listening to a playlist that me and some friends put together called Indie Disco, which are all the songs that we associate with our time at uni, all the indie disco songs from the mid to late noughties, and it has been quite nostalgic. I was especially enjoying listening to Slam by Pendulum and the Prodigy's cover of Voodoo People. How about you? I used to... uh... To spin those classics. Of course you did. Back in 2007 when I was slightly cool. Um, (laughs) I have been listening to The Shout Out Louds. You have mentioned them before, I think. They are from Sweden. Of course. They had like one album in the UK people kind of knew back in 2005 and then they were dismissed after that. But they're still going strong and they have a new album out, came out last week. And it's rather pretty. One for Sweden part two. Could be, could be. They definitely are, what you would say, underrated. Mm, well, there we go. And although you might not think either of the acts we're discussing today are underrated, definitely a lot of people have commented that in the YouTube videos that I've been watching. So today, the key, the theme is, I would say, Canadian singer-songwriters. Mm-hmm. And we're discussing Alanis Morissette as overrated and Nelly Furtado as underrated. I will not be pronouncing her name like that. That's fine. I will not judge you. Uh, and just like you better, hey, English speakers, do not judge me for pronouncing her surname correctly, just as I won't judge you for not pronouncing it correctly. Okay, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Why have we picked these two artists? So Nelly Furtado actually has way more Spotify listeners than Alanis Morissette. So Nelly Furtado has 14 million monthly, whereas uh, Alanis Morissette has 5.6 million. But I would argue, and I don't know if you agree, that Alanis Morissette is probably better known and has more of a cultural cachet than Nelly Furtado because they've you know they've both been going for a while and definitely that their more recent stuff is less well known but I think that 
Nelly Furtado is only known for like a few things, whereas Alanis Morissette is known for a lot more. And I, I think people recognize her influence a lot more than they would with, with Nelly Furtado. Would you agree? Yeah, and you know, Jagged Little Peel sold 33 million and was, mm. I think, like the second biggest album of the 90s. So, wow. you know, although Nelly was successful, she never hit those numbers. And also, I guess when Alanis did it in 95, not many solo females were doing that sort of music. Exactly. So that's why she, like, well, if they were, they weren't, you know, going mainstream. Mm. Um, but yeah, do you, you, I mean, you picked Alanis Morissette, I guess. So, do you want to. Uh, say why you picked her and, and your thoughts on her. Well, as you know, she's my favourite artist of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, I'm not being ironic. <laughs> oh, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. The jokes start early. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I was around in the 90s. I, do you know what? Like, I knew Ironic first. Mm-hmm. I think that was the, UK, the first UK song I knew. And I strongly remember being in the back of a car on the way to Slough to go to a Quasar tournament. Oh and my God. Is this the most British suburban thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> life? <laughs> and I was, what, like 15, 16, and the guys in front were maybe just 18. And they, and they just bought the album and then acting as if it's the coolest thing they've ever had in their life. Oh, and then nice. they played me, you ought to know. And then when she swore, they looked at me like, yeah, swear words. So that's when, that's when I found out about Alanis properly, that she wasn't mm-hmm. just singing about Ironic. And I've always loved um, You Ought to Know. I think it's mm-hmm. a, a classic. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, a lot of the songs I found a bit grating. And mm-hmm. I always found it fascinating how as soon as the next decade moved on, she faded away very, very fast. And I never really knew why mm-hmm. until today. Until today. Okay, you have answers. Okay, I'm looking forward to those answers. Because, yeah, I totally agreed with you picking Alanis Morissette as overrated because I think until about five years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, she's totally overrated because I knew basically, ironic, thank you, one hand in my pocket that's pretty much it and i felt that those songs were quite overplayed and the videos too but about five years ago only about five years ago did i discover you want to know and i discovered it because britney spears covered it so that's you know not not the classic group for for alanis morissette and then i i heard the song and i was like uh this is absolutely fucking incredible this is a modern classic what is what is happening how how is this not as well known as ironic and the others um, but either I explored a bit further and didn't get very far or I, you know, I just thought that and that was the end of it. Um, I think she's quite important as an artist, you know, as you said, you know, not many people, not many women doing what she was doing were breaking through. The enemy summarizes it quite nicely. Um, they you, they were talking about one of her later songs. They said that Alanis Morissette has been spilling her trauma in her music since long before that became a way of securing neat PRable hooks or a path to a market or a path to market yourself as a relatable artist. Jagged little pill covered sexual abuse, the villainization of sexually active young women and the everyday gripes of someone in young adulthood. She took the idea of the angry young woman previously confined to scenes like Riot Girl and Grunge into the mainstream and won five Grammys and sold millions of records despite attempts at misogynistic pigeonholing. So, you know, her songs aren't just about love and depression straightforward. They're about all sorts of different issues and her lyrics cut very deep sometimes. And I'm happy that she's had mainstream success and she obviously means a lot to people, but like you, there are so many songs that I just didn't like and, you know, wondered if, you know, was it just a coincidence that the popular songs were the ones that were most popular and is there more to her than that? Because I came in happy to revise my 
thinking of her as, as overrated because yeah I didn't really want to think that she was overrated yeah exactly like I, I don't have you know, any reason to hate Alanis Morissette but when asked can I think of another Canadian artist I thought well Alanis fits the bill she mm-hmm. sold 73 million albums wow incredible this means that she sold 40 million since Jagged Little Pill this is well, interesting well, was Jack, well maybe a bit less now because Jagged Little Pill wasn't her first album yeah, but, well, they always say discount the first two albums. That's an, it's another person. Wait, I I read that they're electro pop, which I thought was interesting. No, no. I... When I say when I say electro pop, you're thinking cool. But, but what <laughs> what they mean is like Debbie Gibson, Tiffany. Oh, okay, yeah. interesting. No, but I I'm up for that. I'm up for <laughs> I'm up for trying. But I don't think you included any songs from the playlist no. from those. No. Well, because she always says she, you know that was not her. That was her being forced to do something else. Right. When, okay. when she became okay. Alanis Morissette, was mm-hmm. was Jagged Little Pill. That's her first album. Before that, she was you know, had a, a friend Gardy telling her what to do, where to dance, that kind oh, of thing. God. Which is okay. why she's kind of. Try to forget that never, that ever happened, and that's why a lot of her lyrics come from that period when she'd have like sleazy producers coming on to her when she's like fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, it sounds pretty gross. Um, and yeah, you can say a lot of things about Jagged Little Pill, but you you, you can't deny it comes from the heart. Like all, mm. all the songs from it, like I, I would not be able to believe that it wasn't her writing the lyrics. You know, it feels very very personal, and and yeah, I think a lot of people identify with that. But you know, we know about our heathenness when it comes to lyrics and for me lyrics have never been enough as much as i appreciate some of her lyrics so so yeah shall we get into the music overrated we start off with ironic because that was the first song i ever heard Mm-hmm. So we're in 1995, we have MTV, there's that car, there's four different Alanises, turns out it's played by her, she hasn't got siblings, although actually she, she actually does have a twin brother, there you go, that's a fun fact. Oh, didn't know that, fun fact indeed. F- fun fact indeed. And yeah, it was not going to make the album because they thought it's kind of forgettable. Interesting. It was <laughs> the song that's overplayed to death <laughs> is uh, forgettable. But that happens quite a few times, doesn't it? When the song mm. they they put on the last minute becomes the biggest hit. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've always thought the verse is a bit throwaway, silly, and then it has that massive chorus, which is which is a bit like um, four non blondes, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, it's of its time. And that is that, and that is yeah, that. No, that makes it yeah, without that big chorus, it's just like rain. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a hit at all, I don't think. And it's got I've always found the mid to late kind of weird, like she's singing in a different Life language. It's a funny vibe when she goes. But she she does this a lot. So this is what I found. Like I like Alanis when she's speaking quickly. Is what I've discovered in this playlist, which is not. Something I would think about. I like anyone. I like whispering Geordies. Yeah, yeah. I like fast speaking Atlantis. I like fast speaking Canadians. You know, this <laughs> is uh, this is what we were discovering. Yeah, this song, you know, it's fine. I would never choose to listen to it, um, but it's one that, of course, it's fun to sing along when you're doing karaoke. Listening to it with twenty twenty two ears, I really like her harmonising with herself in the chorus. You know, the fact you've got her kind of keeping the yeah the the baseline i guess and then singing on top of herself is really nice obviously the lyrics are very catchy and you know it's a song from 1995 a long time ago now and people still reference it people people still talk about it so it's clearly stayed in the in the public consciousness 
Uh, and yeah, it was interesting to read about the Jagged Little Pill. Like she, she wrote it with this guy called Glenn Ballard. She did most of the takes, most of the vocal takes in one or two takes, which is incredible. And they worked in 12 or 16 hour shifts. So clearly, you know, they had a chemistry, they came together and it worked really well. So I, I you know, I'm sure, especially given that I think he played all the instruments with a few mm-hmm. guest stars that we'll get into. Clearly they worked very well together and it's good that she could concentrate on the vocals because I mean, her voice is amazing. Her, her voice is really, really good and strangely soulful um, and meaningful. The reason she chose to do it in one or two takes was because in her former career, she got sick of having to do the same line 45 times in the studio. Right. And that's why she said, if I'm doing this, I'm doing it loose and free. And mm-hmm. I'm, you get one or two takes at most. And I mean, it works. You feel that. Yeah. yeah, you definitely feel that. But yeah, I it, it just, yeah, it was massively overplayed. And I did not have MTV in 95, but I, I know the video very well and, and saw it. So yeah, not knowing really what you thought about Alanis Morissette, I was like, oh, are you are you using this to make the point that she's overrated or not? Um, I, I would personally with this particular song. I guess people also thought she's 21. What the fuck does she know about rain on your wedding day? And you know, and that's what. And also, yeah, we know that half of it isn't ironic, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's about you know, life is crap sometimes, isn't it, guys? Yeah, it tells a story. You know, I, you, you will, you don't forget the lines of it's like meeting the man of your dreams and then meeting his beautiful wife and the way she enunciates as well. It's yeah, it you you feel it. You feel her her sadness, her her melancholy. But yeah, moving on to... Uh, to more sadness and melancholy. <laughs> well, I mean, spoiler alert, there's a lot of sadness and melancholy and, and anger. It's Alanis Morissette. Um, we're going to the complete opposite time frame and to 2020. This almost made my uh, 2020 uh, best of. Mm, I'm glad it didn't, because now we have an opportunity to talk about <laughs> Alanis in more depth. And I think mainly because I was not expecting to, one, hear an Alanis Morissette um, song come up, and two, that was quite decent and was unexpected um mm-hmm. i think it's you no know, it's, it's it's a bit like kate bush it's a very haunting melody mm-hmm. it's got this um beautiful piano and cello creating this atmosphere and it could almost be massive attack yeah uh, well i i have trip hop comments yeah. uh, in in other parts of this episode and, and it's about um predators and music again because her favorite subject yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. fair enough. I didn't realise she'd been so done over so young. Mm. I mean, I, I feel like this is the playlist you've created with the most contrast. Like, the difference from song to song is enormous. And I had I had not heard Alanis Morissette since Thank You. And to hear this, it starts with a very mournful piano and her voice is very mournful as well. It was such a contrast to Ironic. And it made me think like, oh, okay. Like, Fran's clearly showcasing the variety here. And, you know, this song is 25 years on. I thought it was quite a filmic song. You know, you've got some sort of Western style guitars and the strings. I appreciated the versatility. I appreciated how clearly she's not afraid to take risks when it comes to her music, but it, it wasn't really my cup of tea. Like I, I enjoyed getting to know it, but uh, I didn't save it to my list. That's just fine. That's just fine. I mean, look, it's not it's usually one of us is rooting for the artist, but for me, I don't own it in last Morset. If mm-hmm. Babs doesn't like a song, it's not going to hurt me in any way. <laughs> Having just listened to the Trip Hop uh, episode, I'm still pained about Snickers. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I was, like I said, glad glad to, to learn and listen. And I, I will take this moment as well to say, whatever you think of her, her album titles are beautiful. Like, so here's, here's hang on, have, I've, eight of her albums. So you've got Jagged Little Pill, immediately 
creating atmosphere. Supposed former infatuation junkie, which at the time, I mean, 98, I would have been nine years old. I was like, oh, this is this is big words that I, I must learn. Although that's a bit like the 1975s. They have a similar album style these days. Oh, but wasn't it like, don't cry because you're so beautiful when you die? Okay, <laughs> I, I sound so old. I'm like, oh yeah, the, the new band with the pretty boy that I don't know about. Oh, a very long album title. Um, but okay, yeah, this this was my, the 1975. You've got Under Rug Swept. You've got Feast on Scraps, So-Called Chaos, Flavors of Entanglement, Havoc and Bright Lights, and the album this comes from, Such Pretty Forks in the Road. So creating a picture with her words. Yeah, she hasn't gone for Alanis. Alanis the return so yeah so moving on to um hand clean which i think Mm. was probably the last song i remember existing Mm -hmm. like before listening to the reckoning now this is 2002 Mm -hmm. um and i think i think this is gonna be controversial that this is her best song Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. i mean yeah yeah, it's um another bitter song no shit (laughs) surprise (laughs) bitter is putting it mildly yeah um you know and it's like this is it's just me now and you know the, the video is pretty awesome have you seen the video i have not seen the video it's basically her career it's like it starts off of you know her being a, a pop star and and you know fast forwarding to her playing guitar and fast forwarding to her being in a band but yeah it's got a really catchy hook and a chorus i i remember when it came out it was never ever played, and I remember, I remember just discovering randomly and thinking, "Was oh, this actually Lance Marsetti still existing?" Because I hadn't heard mm. anything for what four years since Thank You, mm-hmm. and there wasn't much, you know, um, fanfare for which when it came out in the UK. Mm-hmm. But, um, but reading about it, I think um, it sold maybe a couple of million, so it didn't do too badly. But yeah, it's a, it's about an affair she had when she was uh, fourteen years old with a yeah. record executive, but she's never mentioned his name. But I mean, how many? producers that she worked with can't be that many so mm. so i knew this song but i totally forgotten about it i have no idea how i knew this song at all whether did i hear it in a film was it one of the songs i i discovered when i, I went on my alanis tour after listening to you ought to know mm. um yeah there's a really interesting use of guitars here and as a general rule for this playlist i like alanis when there's more guitars i i think even Sometimes, even though it's oh, melodic, I, I, she often is using a lot of guitars and there'll be like an acoustic guitar and then a rhythm guitar and a lead guitar. And I really like it here. And I really had never paid attention to the lyrics, which are totally about a pedo. And, you know, listening to, to it with that in mind, it's quite interesting how her delivery is quite innocent. Like she has a, like almost a childlike voice and she's speaking very fast. So we, we know that you like that. <laughs> and I, I thought that, that was an interesting choice to make because it's like, obviously she's speaking as if she's the man, right? And um, and yeah, you know, I, I also read that this was about a relationship that, well, can you call it a relationship? It's, it's mm. grooming. And she's also said that she, multiple men committed statutory rape when she was 15. So she she clearly had a terrible time and it's, it's really good that at least you can... She can talk about it. But yeah, it's really horrible lyrics. I think the the, the worst one for me is, because you're such a pretty thing when you're done up properly. I might want to marry you one day if you watch that weight and keep your firm body. Ooh, ooh. Um, and yeah, I was trying to think like, what's what's the modern equivalent that I've heard? And I don't know if you know the sexually explicit rapper Cupcake Fran, but she has a song called Pedophile. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yeah, that is... That is much more, uh, you know, know. <laughs> in, in your face. This is, you know... 
classic getting um, heavy topics in in the guise of a pop song, but it's 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 a pop song, but it's definitely a sophisticated pop song, and the way it builds to that chorus of uh, "Wipe your hands clean of me." On the music, I think again, a bit like ironic, it's fine, but I'm not going to listen to it. You know, I, I I enjoyed rediscovering it, but I'm not going to listen to it again. It's also the first album she completely wrote by, wrote by herself. Oh, good. And and produced as well. So. Good. You know, I'm impressed. But um, yeah, I, I watched the uh, the Jagged documentary which came out mm. 2020, and now she's saying she hates it. Um, but but the reason she says she hates it is because she thinks that she was in a, a bad place during lockdown, and they mm. chose her, you know, talking about her past issues. But then mm. she sings about it in every song, so I don't understand why that's such a, a case. For it. Well, yeah, I guess I've always wondered about this. Like, if you if you write about a you know a breakup that you had. 25 years ago Hmm. and you're still forced to relive it night after night like i'm sure that at some point you sort of can disassociate from it or you can apply it to other things going on in your life but maybe other times you know lots of us were vulnerable in lockdown and if there was like a big anniversary for for, well yeah i guess 2020 would have been 25 years Mm -hmm. right since jagged little pill it's that thing of like you probably don't want to be reminded of it all the time when it as it turns out she's had loads of other albums since so maybe it was that yeah well she said that she wanted it to be more about the album and then they looked into other things but i guess it's hard to discuss her career and not mention it isn't it as well so i I think it's also that thing that a lot of female artists talk about where male artists writing about similar themes it's not normally presumed that it's autobiographical whereas with female artists it is and um yeah i'll get into with another song i'll get into like a modern artist where that keeps happening too and i mean the thing is i think it is very clearly autobiographical here um but yeah that's not all there is to it and it's like you should be talking about just like yeah the the themes rather than just being like yeah what happened to you and and especially with one of the the songs coming later, there's so much speculation about who it's about even now and it, it must be quite annoying to not be able to move on from that so also, you, you, you mentioned uh, eating. She said that uh, when she was doing her first album, they told her to come in to do some, some vocals. And then it turned out that it wasn't to do her vocals, it was to do her weight. And she was mm. told she had to go on a diet. And apparently she's yeah. had uh, eating issues over the past 30 years because of that. So, yeah. so, yeah, so imagine being 21 and having all those all that trauma. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know if she had therapy or anything. And then becoming the biggest star in the world. Mm-hmm. It must have been so hard to, to, you know, to endure at that age. Yeah, and I, so so young as well because with Nelly Furtado she talks about that too because mm. she became quite quite famous when she was quite young, and I mean I can come back to that but yeah Nelly Furtado was like in a way it was bizarre because it's everything you've ever wanted but at the same time you're so young you're not and you're like well if this is happening now then what's next because I think you I think you normally know it's it's not going to last forever so. I mean, especially if she was having a bad time in lockdown. And I mean, the next song that you've picked also talks about other issues that she she struggled with. To be to be reminded constantly of a traumatic time, or to be to have your music framed only through the lens of trauma rather than the music itself. Yeah, it must be it must be frustrating. And I guess she got into this album not expecting big things. Mm. So you know, she was she wasn't writing a pop album. So mm-hmm. she probably thought it would just be like an independent album and maybe sell a couple of thousands. So it must be even harder to not even assume that's going to happen before you know it. You're mm-hmm. bigger, you're bigger than when you're. And, you're t- and it, I didn't know she was so young. Like if if you'd asked me to guess what age she was, I'd been like I don't know mid mid to late twenties. No, t- twenty one. And she wrote a lot of it when she was nineteen, I think. 
Yeah, because I mean, the lyrics wise, it's, 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 it's someone in the mid thirties of that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 like big words, big themes, definitely. So yeah, so uh, moving on to other big themes, um, <laughs> we have 2019's "Reasons I Drink." I had never heard. Basically, I just scattergunned the. I, I chose singles over the, over the last twenty five years, mm-hmm. and then I just discovered it at the same time as you did, Babs. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so I never heard this until yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got like Ben Fold piano vibes to it. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about addictions. Uh, it's not her best work. Um, the chorus is lacking. I'm never a fan of a chorus which relies on woos. If all, if all you're doing is woo, 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 woo. Yeah, come on. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't mind. Not, Sometimes yeah. it makes sense. Sometimes. Or, of course, just repeat the same word again and again and again and again. That's okay. the one. But, um, yeah, this randomly was uh, number one in Poland. Excellent. Well done, Poland. <laughs> uh, well, so, I mean, uh, that's, a, that's a country that I'm sure drinks more heavily than the average when vodka is one of your national drinks. Again, it sees being very honest and very open and, and mm. you know, and... I read in the comments on YouTube a lot of people really enjoyed her talking really about this, these, this subject yeah so again such a gear shift from mm-hmm. from Anne's clean mm-hmm. so I was like what what is Fran trying to do to me here emotionally this is there's a lot going on uh she has a much lower voice at the beginning because I guess you she she ha- she, she must have a massive range like a massive octave mm-hmm. range but I would associate her with yeah higher pitch I guess rather than this and I felt that this was a song that was clearly adapting to modern pop, especially the build to the chorus. If you shorten this, this could be a Eurovision entry, uh, I felt. Musically, not my cup of tea, I think, because I could appreciate the yeah, the modern the modern production and the modern sound. But lyrically, definitely I yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. You know, she says there are, these are the reasons I ever do it. I've been working since I can remember, since I was single digits. Now, even though I've been busted, I don't know where to draw the line because that groove has gotten so deep. Whew. Strong shit. And uh, yeah, there's an enemy article which said about this song, there's still an urgency and rawness to Morissette. She's still mining her life's experiences, using her insight into addiction to explain the comfort, the very things that are bad for you can bring. And she said that alcohol is a secondary addiction after her eating disorder. So bless you, Alanis. I, I hope you're doing well. I want you to be doing well uh yeah it, it made me sad it made me sad and it made me hope that you know she's she's kind of come through it on the other side and and now that things are opening up again she's doing a bit better yeah and in the video it's uh it's her former selves uh, in an aa uh meet she loves mining the uh, well we'll come to that <laughs> later like her her music videos are very creative over underrated Over underrated. So, doesn't it? And then we're going back to uh, where it began. Mm-hmm. Her first single, You I Don't Know. And this, this nice story, like, so when they took us to K pop, K rock even, to in the one of the biggest. I was going to say K pop. I can't get K pop out of my mind. I can't, can't wait to see You Wanna Know <laughs> dance practice. <laughs> It's out there. I'm sure TikTok have done it. Um, oh, I'm gonna. I know what I'm gonna be looking for afterwards. <laughs> so yeah. So they took it to Kate Rock and said, "Oh, you might want to listen to this new artist." Apparently, the producer was like, "Jesus Christ!" She then took it into the DJ booth and said, "This is the next single. It's somebody called Alanis Morissette." And then it went crazy, and people were calling in constantly. So this, out of nowhere, became massive and mm-hmm. started. And that's when she then had to hire a band, including Taylor Hawkins. 
Really? Not know that. I didn't know that, no. Yeah, so yeah, so Taylor Hawkins was her drummer for that tour. Oh, and, incredible. And f- and the people who um, supported her on that tour was Radiohead. Amazing. Ben's era Radiohead. And she was, and she, she could hear them writing OK Computer in the dressing room. So some of OK Computer was written on tour with Alanis Morissette. That, that is, especially given how grumpy and fame shy radiohead mm. were to be touring with the you know it's it's rock but the pop star of the moment that is yeah really I, don't know how, I, I don't know how many dates but yeah and then um the three of us did some dates and that's how i met taylor incredible facts <laughs> facts facts very, very glad you watched that documentary yeah Brian. it's she said, she said it was quite hard because obviously she was like singing about his feminist themes mm. meanwhile her backing band were fucking as many uh, people as they possibly could and they were in and their, their um guitar um technicians were handing up backstage passes and then Anna's had no idea this was happening during her shows oh that's yeah i think it must be so tough to be one of the few women on the road when, mm. when that's happening. Like, I remember, I, I might have told this story before on the podcast, but, you know, Charlotte Hatherley obviously was in Ash and she was the only woman. And she was like, you know, actually, they were very supportive and it was fine. But the next band she went on tour with was Back for Lashes. Mm-hmm. And she said that, she, like, backstage before the first gig, they were, like, handing out healing crystals or something. And she was like, oh, this is very <laughs> different from, <laughs> from, from touring with a bunch of smelly men. Basically, so yeah, and again, she's still what twenty one. That's yeah. Yeah, and also it's hard for her being twenty one and being a boss of these like guys. Mm. They said, "What's the point of stacking them?" Because she said that's what men are like. Mm-hmm. If she gets rid of them, so half four other guys who would be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. This is kind of sad, but she, you know, she expected it really from guys by then. Yeah, I mean, and, and she paved, you know, mm. she paved the way for a lot of modern artists to to not have to go through that. So thank you, Alanis. But yeah, but, reading it on the internet, I don't know if this is true. I hope it is, but. Dave Navarro from James Addiction plays the guitar and Flea plays the bass on this. Yeah. And all they had was the guy track and we just did a jam and it came out. Yep, that's exactly right. Pretty, yeah. pretty spectacular. Yeah, and I mean, I, I can't particularly hear Dave Navarro on guitar, but when you when you hear that it's Flea on bass, mm. you're like, yeah, it makes sense. And and yeah, what a bass line. There's even, I hadn't even realised that there's a bit where she says it was a slap in the face and then Flea slaps the bass and you're like, oh, <laughs> beautiful. But yeah, as I said, this song is incredible. And I sent you a video of her isolated vocals that she recorded in one take. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, so many things going on, so much emotion that you can feel in the voice, and that's probably why it, it sounds so good. And I, I think what's incredible about this song is how it goes from the restraint in her voice at the beginning, where she's like, "I'm happy for you, I wish nothing but the best," for you. and then suddenly it starts unraveling and it builds and it builds and it builds, um, and there's so many classic moments in this song like her going it's not fair like you can feel it and uh yeah yeah the only other person i enjoy doing that apart from Alice is lana del rey does that in off to the races only two women only two people i i enjoy doing that and how it yeah it just keeps going and it keeps building and to the final chorus because when it goes into the final chorus, normally when, when she sings it, it then pauses, you know, mm. so she says, you want to know, it pauses. But actually on the final one, it just continues. And then there's this other guitar layered upon it. So there's this kind of, yeah, hope and, and finality 
and yeah I, I think it's a brilliant song and I would like to know more Alanis songs that I like this although there's one or two that you've included which which I think are on a similar level there's a great cover from Group Love who we've spoken about on the podcast mm-hmm. as well check it out but I can imagine the, the, the Chili Peppers even doing this because like a bit mm. when she goes and the whole buddy made it could also be like a bit of a rap for Anthony Keaton's could kind of do it yeah. as well yeah, but, but yeah. The way that she does it is because the love that you gave in a minute. He would be like, because the love that you gave, but I wasn't able to make it. Enough. And that would that wouldn't be as good. I don't. Yeah, know. and he would have was talking about like chicken and karate and whatever <laughs> crap he talks about. And of course, California. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's you know we, we talked about the speculation of who she's talking about. So it, it's widely rumored to be this this comedian called Dave Coulier. There's even someone, uh, like someone who was on a TV show with him, who who said he was there when Alanis Morissette made the call that interrupted him in the middle of dinner, uh, that that she references. But she's always been, you know, um, she's she's never kind of admitted it. She mm-hmm. says, "I never talked about who my songs were about, and I won't because when I write them, they're written for the sake of personal expression. So with all due respect to whoever may see themselves in my songs, and it happens all the time, I never really comment on it because I write these songs for myself, not other people. So yeah, absolutely fair enough." And, you know, as um, it just reminds me of Taylor Swift, really. Mm. Like Taylor, Taylor Swift is someone who writes very emotional songs from the heart, has dated a lot of people uh, and is criticized for it. And it's it's joked about it like, oh, you know, like she's broken up and she's going to write another album. It's like, why is she not allowed to do that when that's exactly what... <laughs> I was trying to think of a male example, but for some reason, the only one that came to mind was Sufjan Stevens. And I'm like, that doesn't, doesn't feel like an appropriate one. But yeah, whatever. John Meyer. There we go. Like John Meyer, John Legend, insert your own John here. Like no one would ever criticize a man for being like, oh, you only write about the women you fuck. Led Zeppelin did a lot of that and, and they don't get criticized. So Blur did so a whole album. They? Blur did 13. Is that about this breakup of... Uh, With Justin Fisher, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what a great album it is. So... Yeah, you know, there's there's lots of people who who it's rumored to be, but it, yeah, I I I understand. You know, when when it's it's the risk of being so so expressive, so emotional. You know, these lyrics hit really hard. They are incredible breakup lyrics, and I'm sure lots of people going through breakups can identify with them. But um, you know, just because that's the case doesn't mean you should constantly be digging digging into it, especially if she doesn't want to. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a shame that. That was the only time I remember her being that angry and that rocky on the album. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, right? This is why I put a track on here later on. It's, it's kind of identifies yep. a, a little bit more of that. But moving on to um, underneath in twenty two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Again, I had never heard this. Wasn't unaware she even had an album out in twenty thousand and nine. Mm, mm. um, yeah, this is again. Uh, slightly different. It's got like a drum loop, um, delicate tiles, and and like some Schrodinger Simpson the verse, and then elevates to this like kind of like a pop chorus. Although it sounds a little bit like Snow Patrol Coldplay with that sort of like down striking electric guitar kind of thing we, we all had in the mid mid noughties to get like an anthemic chorus, which mm-hmm. kind of taints it for me. But it's got some nice ideas. I guess he's trying to is he trying to be mainstream again or? just doing what she wants I don't know I think this is her last album with Maverick so I don't know if it's like one last chance of glory but yeah Mm. it's fine but I would probably not get back to it yeah so when it started I was like oh this is a really uh, interesting beginning there's some Mm. subtle acoustic guitars and percussion her her voice is very light again but I really hate the chorus because it, (laughs) it goes it goes full pop and I was just like ugh. but I was thinking that for me you know I listened to it twice Mm mm-hmm with repeated listenings 
I'm sure it could attain the same level for me as ironic of like, you know, it's not my kind of music, but there is something very catchy about it. And I'm sure that if I associated it with weddings, dancing in the club to it, whatever, I probably would like it. But yeah, on this podcast, I do not. <laughs> she always says that she loves dancing, but sadly, uh, I don't know one song you can dance to by Alanis Morissette. Maybe there's one up there. Please let me know. Well, I mean, I guess some of the songs you've picked later on are quite rocky. I, you can definitely dance to rock. I definitely dance to rock. Not well, but I do. <laughs> so uh, moving on to a, a song that many people may know. For some mm. people, probably the last song they remember, which is Thank You, Internet. Thank You, Podcast. Thank You. Thank You, Babs, my co-host. I cut out. No, please don't. <laughs> please don't cut that out. Please, please don't cut that out. What, it, what are you thankful for today, Babs? Um, what am I thankful for? I am thankful for the Eurostar train, uh, which oh. will take me to the UK <laughs> tomorrow. I am grateful for the big hoop earrings I'm wearing, mm-hmm, which we will mm-hmm. get to later. Me I am too. grateful for my napping cat, who is just very much in her little spot. That's what I'm thankful for. What about you? Well, we are dedicating this podcast to uh, the Tigra. The Tigra. Oh, the Tigra. Yeah, my my beloved cat, the Tigra, named after the band. Sad. I was going to say sadly. That's how sad. <laughs> sadly, sadly passed away last week. Bless her. Uh, so you know, it's a bit less riot girl in the house, and it, it, she was the active one. So Kim, who's named after Kim Gordon Deal, she's a very chilled cat, probably reflecting, you know, also the advancing ages of Kim Gordon and Kim Deal. <laughs> I'm sure she would be happy with discussing female rock stars. Yeah, of course, of course. Mm-hmm, awesome. mm-hmm. But yeah. So 1998, after the behemoth of Jagged Little Pill, how do you follow that by doing something completely different? <laughs> Basically. Very, very different. So yeah, it has that beautiful ice cream. It's a keyboard. It could be some sort of, I don't know what it is, a tr- treated piano. Um, mm-hmm. That video of her start naked, walking With around. very long hair. Like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, uh, so I instantly love this. I remember people at university were going, oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Like mm. people thought that she's gone down a pop route instantly, but it's not pop at all. No. It's really- it's, yeah, it's got a cat. I mean, it's a catchy hook to that piano thing, but the song isn't. No, it's, it's ain't Britney Spears we're talking about. Um, but yeah, um, listen to it again. Obviously, it's dealing with um, trauma as per. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a class song. Although I feel maybe the, got, the drums are quite heavy in it. Maybe if it had more of like a, a Gary Jules Mad World kind of production, it could have worked a little bit better, a bit, bit more haunting for me. But how about you, Babs? Well, you'll be delighted to hear, Fran, that the note I wrote for the drums is some very trip-hoppy percussion that I've never paid attention to. (laughs) Yeah, I remember this song very well. I don't think I had ever heard this song without the video. Mm -hmm. And again, I feel like the discussion of this song was a discussion where they were taking the piss out of her being naked in the video and there are a million parodies. Listening to it without the video... This song is so much better than I realised. I really never want to watch this with a video again. I really like the synths. I really like her voice. I think also it's almost like a direct response to You Wanna Know, you know, because that's obviously kind of a lashing out in anger kind of song. Whereas this one is all about how about me not blaming you for everything? How about me enjoying the moment for once? How about good it feels to finally forgive you? How about grieving it all at one time? And, and talking about what she's thankful for. So yeah, it's a beautiful response and a beautiful contrast to to the song, one of the songs that made her the biggest. But does anyone, can anybody name the song that followed this? I can't. No, no, if, I can't. 
It does seem it does seem to be like Thank You was her comeback single, and then yeah. that, that was the end. Curtain went over her forever until like maybe four years for me. Like I don't remember anything else apart from that that album, from the album, apart from this one song. Weirdly, so was it was it terrible or was it just not played? I, I don't know. Or well, I think just Thank You was overplayed, and that was mm. the single, and that was it. And yeah, it's funny because it actually didn't click until you said it. Hands Clean came after this. Mm. I thought I would have guessed Hands Clean would have been around the same time as Jagged Little Pill. And this would have been afterwards, but no. Four long years. <laughs> <laughs> this is fit. So obviously we are discussing an Asma, so I've not listened to you or um, seven albums back to front. You know, I've, I've, so let you me know. You haven't done the Chris. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, so let, let me know if that album has some other brilliant tracks. But um, mm. single-wise, uh, speaking as a British person, that was the only song we ever heard from that album. Mm. But it did sell, like two or three million but then it might be the case that people bought it just because they had bought Jagged Little Pool and assumed yeah. you know and I mean I'm presuming she has an extremely loyal fan base mm, as mm. well fingers uh, crossed but then moving on to a B-side do you know it's a B-side? I, I, yes I did know it was a B-side I was surprised I didn't when I picked it as in, hey. I, I knew it because I researched <laughs> it not from like oh yeah, yeah. From my mind. <laughs> so yeah, this is um from Underrepswept the, the well the remaining tracks she made uh a follow-up album that I've forgotten the title of. Feast on Scraps. Feast on Scraps. And what a delightful scrap this is. This is Unprotocal Daughter from 2003. Mm. It's about her life moving from Canada after being a pop star to LA. Um, but yeah, there's actually a musical um, in Broadway called Jagged, Jagged Little Pill. This is also in a musical, and the musical version is quite amazing i guess it makes mm-hmm. sense because like if you're doing a narrative announcement that you need the song when she moved from canada to la so mm-hmm. this soundtrack's it but i think it's a i think it's a it's it might with well a sinead o'connor her vocals mm-hmm. and i was listening to the live version and it's a lot heavier so if you can check out the live version or the musical version i suggest so but what did you think babs I love this. I thought this was bringing the best of an Alanis, Alanis mm-hmm. Morissette together. There's loads of electric guitars. There's clear like Indian music influences. And it was like my favorite new song so far that, that you'd introduced me to. And I was very surprised to, to see that it was a B-side and on this kind of random compilation because I just thought like, what, why? <laughs> why, why? Why has this been consigned to that? This, this, I think, would have been really popular. This song and the next song that you've got as well, I think... It reminds me of, you know, Hull and other, you know, female fronted female primary bands from from the area, but with a with a modern twist. And I think her fans and the mainstream would have lapped that up. So I'm I'm at a loss as to why this was consigned to a B side. The only thing I can think of listening to Hands Clean, which is I guess a bit more pop oriented, maybe mm. it, it didn't fit the format. Like if mm. it's a more of a poppy album, or did, did it stick out too much? I mean, I mean, you want to know, and ironically, mm. completely different. Yeah, and they both did very well. So you know, she has form. But hey, the fans love it. Yeah, and we love it. So it's all good. We do. And Excellent. so, so speaking of. Uh, rockier side of Alanis I tried to find another version of You Want to Know and I discovered Eight Easy Steps which was a single I had no idea mm-hmm. uh, the video is absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. yes I saw it See, well, Yeah, it goes in reverse of her career with, with a lip sync yeah so yeah all her all her previous music videos with her face superimposed on it singing the lyrics from this song and and also uh, Matt LeBlanc <laughs> as well singing the lyrics from this song because he was in um is it Walk This Way? Uh, Walk Away. So Matt LeBlanc was in Walk Away uh, a video from 1991. Once again she was only what 16s and they're kissing it so 
Nice. So yeah, so check out the video if you've not seen it. But yeah, this is like the heavier side of it. I've I heard it's it's kind of like a bit like pop punk in in a way. Um, I guess it could have maybe some more guitar solos. It's it's in in like two minutes fifty, so it's very short and sweet. It's like in boom with with a killer chorus and get the fuck out of it. But mm-hmm. I did, I did like it and I will save it to my collection. Fran, I am in total agreement for mm-hmm. once. I I love this again. The guitars, the synth guitars, the Indian musical influences coming through. She's talking very quickly. It To me, it sounded like um, Madonna Ray of Light era as well, I thought. Mm-hmm. And that is a great pop era. William, William <laughs> well, is. she was on her label, Maverick. Ah, there we go. I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't realise that, that Madonna was also on there. And the lyrics are just so good. Uh, because yeah, the, the, the aim is, it's like, these, not the aim, the... The, the song is about all the mistakes that she's made and she's teaching you that in eight easy steps is kind of like how to ruin your life. So there's lyrics like how to stay paralyzed by fear of abandonment, how to defer to men in solvable, solvable predicaments, how to control someone to be a carbon copy of you, how to hate women when you're supposed to be a feminist, how to play all pious when you're really a hypocrite, etc., etc. So it's, yeah, again, she's really pouring pouring her heart out and it's it's fantastic and to have that those lyrics with that music and that video it's a really great song thank you for introducing me to it but why was this not popular i don't know and many youtube commenters also don't know (laughs) it seems uh so go and listen to it definitely i wonder if because uh albums following Jack Liverpool when it was big people then started to dismiss him and buy mm. was that two, it's like 2005 or something like, oh, 2004 yeah so by then people like oh it's only in the last month so who cares I don't mm. know if that, that was the case but but yeah check out guys and then um, ending with another song from uh, the big album we have Perfect which was the first song she ever wrote I believe she wrote it mm. with um, her producer in 20 minutes wow and uh, they played that to um, loads and loads of studios and got knocked back. And then the guy from Maverick said, yes, please. And mm-hmm. uh, in- instantly harder. This shows off a vocal range. And, you know, it must be a refreshing change to be singing this style after singing like uh, Paula Abdul style pop uh, mm-hmm. pr- previously. Although, for some reason, the opening line sounds like wet, wet, wet. <laughs> and I can't, I can't get it out of my mind. Um, there's a, there's a, a, I think in uh, 2005 she did like an acoustic version of the album, and uh, this uh, is pretty cool. So yeah, so no one's perfect, not even Ricky Martin. But did you think this is a perfect song? Or <laughs> I, I wondered why you'd included this song because mm. it's. I, I wondered again if it was to show off her her range and her versatility because yeah this is totally different to ironic or you ought to know on on jagged little pill it's slow and acoustic and i wondered if that was flea on bass again do you know i don't know well all i know is that she just wrote it with the producer and that was basically it mm. like i don't actually know how dave and first time basis dave and <laughs> even happened because like she wasn't a known artist it's, and they're massive stars so i mean they're odd. massive stars but you could you know you need to make money by being a mm. session musician right like there's 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 lots of artists who who guest on and, and, and play on other people's songs sometimes that you don't even realise, like Josh Omi a lot of the time. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, he's playing guitar on this. And you're like, really? I, why? Why? Like, you know, he plays guitars on like Peaches songs where, where it's like, I wouldn't expect him to be doing Peaches and, you know, he's not even sort of featured. It's not mm. Peaches featuring Josh Omi, but there, but there we go. Um, I wasn't a fan of this song. It was a little bit too slow for me, but again... 
just looking at it from the oh wow she's a versatile woman she writes a lot of different types of songs sure and why not so why not so alanis um is she overrated babs i don't think she's overrated i think her influence is undeniable um i think if anything okay so the period where she was most successful it was crazy successful if i ruled the world i would have rather she had less success but more more continuous because i have not heard a song that i known that i've known since hands clean and that was 20 years ago so maybe she might have been everywhere and i could absolutely get on board with that because she was everywhere in the late 90s but she clearly has some absolute bangers from the early noughties and it's made me want to go and explore her back catalogue more so no i think i think if anything she's actually underrated if you look at her global discography yes yeah, it's, it's hard because like the album we all know her i'm not a fan of so it hurts mm. me that that sold 30 like we discussed talking heads their entire career they sold 10 million albums her mm-hmm. one album sold three times that many albums mm-hmm. which is insane so if you're gonna go by that album she's mm-hmm. overrated mm-hmm. um but yeah like just you know just me just skimming over her back cat for the past 20 years i was surprised that i liked a lot of these songs i thought i was gonna struggle and mm-hmm. uh, me, yeah, me just choosing some a collection of singles, none of them I actually hate, and I've, I've discovered three or four pretty decent songs. So yeah, I, I will probably check out um, her other album. So I would say that no, she's not overrated, and she's obviously doing big numbers around the world outside of the UK and America, a bit like the artist mm-hmm. we're going to speak on next. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice, isn't it, that we you know we both we both kind of thought yeah, Alanis mm. Morissette overrated and look we've changed we've both changed our minds we've softened a bit i wonder if that will happen with the next artist (laughs) (laughs) hey podcast lovers now available a new podcast experience featuring exclusive mini series like food babes and all new series that takes a fun look at everyone's real first true love food Milky Way Marvels, a lighthearted astronomy series where we explore the fascinating wonders of our galaxy. Pop culture icons, an entertaining, nostalgic look back at various nouns in popular culture, plus more. Relax, enjoy, listen, laugh, and maybe even learn. Podcast, presented by Sonic Embassy. Now streaming everywhere you listen. Access quick links to your favorite places to listen now at solo.to slash Sonic Embassy. Underrated. So, Nelly uh, Furtado, mm-hmm. um, uh, Babs has chosen as underrated. Why? Why? But why? But why? But why? But why? But why? Okay, well, she's of Portuguese origin, okay? There aren't too many of us that are famous, you know, there's another famous Canadian who shares part of my surname, Sean Mendes, but I'm not a huge fan. Mm-hmm. However, I am a, a friend of... I'm a friend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Get out of the podcast. <laughs> Don't Nelly, uh, No, I, I am a fan of Nelly Furtado. I think, yeah, and I'm, let's say, a more recent fan of Nelly Furtado. Yes, of course, like, you know, I was following her, her big hits. But at some point in the last, I'd say, three, four years... I was like, what else has she done? And I, I went and delved into her back catalogue and I was like, oh, she's done a lot more and it's all it's all very interesting. So I think she is probably seen as like, oh, a noughties pop star, but she's so much more than that. 
she grew up listening to quite eclectic music, R&B, pop, drum and bass, Portuguese music, Spanish music, Indian music, bossa nova. And she had very humble beginnings because her, her mum worked in a in a hotel and, and hired her as a chambermaid. And that comes across when, when she's interviewed as well. So I think, you know, just music aside for a second, you know, her, her, her cultural background is interesting and she seems like a very nice and very intelligent person. She, as I said, has way more listeners than Alanis Morissette but I think she would broadly be known for I'm Like a Bird and then one or two songs from, from that era and then her album Loose from 2006, which are all fantastic. But she's so much more than that. And I was inspired to put her forward as a suggestion when we did the hip hop episode because obviously she featured on a Jurassic 5 song. And I found this playlist that looked at all her different collaborations it's so diverse so some that i haven't included tiesto james morrison blood orange n.e.r.d andrea bocelli she's much more than 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 i'm yeah like i said the 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 noughties nelly and what i didn't realize either so loose an album and well i'm sure we'll get into it you know it's an album that's a very sort of sexy album very urban album she recorded that after being a mother and she says that she she did that because she felt sexier. Like she literally said, my butt was bigger. I had more curves. And I was like, how amazing is that? And it's kind of a shame that not more was made of that at the time because she was slut shamed to shit. You know, she was really like, oh my God, she's selling out because, you know, she she felt like she needed to make sexy music or whatever. And actually when you, when you hear her talk about it, it's just, it sounded like quite a high pressure environment where she was staying with her, her small child in a hotel room go and work crazy hours with Timberland. He'd then go to the club when she'd go back and like breastfeed and come back and do it again at, at five in the morning. So she is versatile, multi-layered, multi-genred, multilingual, pretty unique. And um, and yeah, even, you know, she she had, she's had quite big breaks between her albums, her recent albums and hasn't done an album since 2017. And she's like done performance art. She's worked at her friend's record shop. She took playwriting classes, worked at a record store, ran a label. I think yeah, she's she's a Renaissance woman. What about you, Fran? Uh, so yeah, I first discovered her when she was singing about birds and mm. hanging out with Chris Martin at the V Festival. Mm. Uh, and I didn't really like her at first. I kind of mm-hmm. dismissed her as another because that was in the early noughties. There was a lot of female pop stars c- from America coming over. I know she's from Canada, North America, North America, North America. Yeah. And I, I think I kind of pigeonholed her in that. And it wasn't until her second album, this is when Folklore. I, which is when I got on board. Mm. I'm very have not chosen the songs I like. I have... from... Oh, <laughs> I okay, that you like. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I even could play try and guitar. And then yeah, then I was like shocked to hear loose. I was like, oh, this is not uh, what I had before. Mm. And I think at first I was like, oh, not my thing at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not a big Timberland fan, <gasps> but before I knew it, I was shaking my ass to yeah, Miss girl. That's what um, she wanted. Not on again, dismissed from the spot the Spotify playlist you gave me for some crazy reason. I will get. I'm into sure that. you'll tell me why. Yeah. So, but I've always liked her voice. I've always liked her style. I'm a fan of anyone who's a bit more eclectic. And of course, you know, she features on uh, football games, which is another Brucey bonus. Mm-hmm, which we will get into as well so when i was putting together the place yes there's there's one or two bigger hits but the reason i didn't include promiscuous girl and and well i'm like a bird i actually don't like i'm like a bird i find irritating as much as i enjoy the music video i, I like like the simplicity in it 
yeah, it felt very innocent and, and she was obviously quite young, but I, I deliberately wanted to put forward some lesser known songs to, just to show like, look, these are the lesser known ones and they're great. Why isn't it? Why isn't she bigger? True, true, true. And uh, yeah, she's got similar. I, I know that obviously Alana's had those two albums, but yeah, like Alana, she became massive at the same age, like what, around 21, 22, mm-hmm. which was you know, a lot of pressure on her. Should we go into it? Yeah, let's go into it because what I was going to say, which leads very nicely into my first two choices. Yeah, I've done this in chronological order, mm-hmm. basically, is that she wrote, I think, the whole Woe Nelly first album by herself, which I did not know. And that is amazing. When you hear the, the all the different types of instruments that are on there and the complexity of it, fuck, that's fucking impressive. And, you know, so many people associate Loose with the genius of Tim Allen, And of course... He, like he is one of my favorite producers so on, on that I disagree his fingerprints are all over it um but it's it's clearly her her coming into it as well and and you know when when they talk about it it's it you know they talk a lot about the chemistry but when let's get there so my first pick is turn off the light from from Woneddy I think this is much catchier and less annoying than I'm like a bird I really like the mix of acoustic guitar the synths and the the sort of humming voices that open the song it gives it this kind of mysterious quality out you know she's outdoors what's going on um i really like how she harmonizes with herself how she uses her mouth when she says follow me follow me follow me i love fran i like fast talking canadians i hadn't even realized i, I didn't realize that there's this finale as well jesus christ and when it's just the bridge you it's just her and acoustic guitar and drums before this kind of airplane sound comes in instrumental section leading to the final verse version of the chorus there's a lot going on and um, Billboard said, Nelly Furtado sees no reason for separating rock guitars from pop melodies, from R&B hip hop beats, from effervescent bossa nova. And that's why it's great. What do you think? Well, my favourite fast speaking Canadian is Robin Williams. Check him out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he does a great genie. So, yeah, I absolutely fucking hated the song back in the day. I was worried because you said that you didn't like this album, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah. Okay, it, tell me it, more. It was the, the follow me, follow me, follow me line. Ah, it, oh, it used to make me cringe so much, so much. So interesting. Uh, so yes, yeah, so that's why I dismissed it because I, I found both her singles really fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, listening to this again, I still don't like it, unfortunately. The video's insane. It's like set in Chinatown and the swamp for mm-hmm. reasons unknown. Her videos are kind of wild. Yeah, I've very... The uh, production makes a little bit more sense now. I knew that she was into trip hop and was doing hip hop back in the nineties. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, so when she did like work later on with uh, Timberland, now it's not as much of a shock as I thought because okay, mm-hmm. her past history was that before she did pop music. Yeah, so, and one of her latest songs uh, plays tr- tribute to that mm-hmm, era as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So yeah, so this was not for me at all. Sorry, Nelly. That's okay. I hope the next one is because. I think this was also a single. At least, at the yeah. very least, I had a video. Shit on the radio, brackets, remember the days. I love the song. I love the curtailed guitar. I love the DJ sounds The ra- mixed in with the radio sounds. I like how there's, you know, she's quite grumpy on the verses, which makes sense because she's saying, you like me till you heard my shit on the radio. Well, I hate to say, but pop ain't going solo. And yeah, my, my, my personal favorite, like, you like me till you see me on your TV. Well, if you're so low below, then why are you watching? It's like, boom, dissing the hipsters back in 2000. Uh, but the chorus is quite nostalgic, which makes sense because it's like the verses are like, you know, nah, 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 nah. but then she's like, I oh, remember the days when I was so eager to satisfy you. But, you know, I've, I'm moving on from that. So it tells a story. I, with some very 
complex instrumentation and beats and that's why i like it do you like it fran may I ask is that flamenco guitar or i, I hear was it some um, sort of portuguese I, <laughs> I, I, I mean yeah don't ask me too i had to i had to look up portuguese banjos for a song coming up later <laughs> <laughs> um i would say yeah it's curtailed flamenco mm-hmm. guitar like flamenco inspired yeah because so por- traditional Portuguese music, it's this genre called fado, and it's quite depressing. And actually, yeah, above my head, I have a traditional Portuguese guitar that belonged to my great-grandfather. It's a 12-string guitar. It, you know, doesn't maybe sound a million miles away, but it's it's not the same rhythms at all. And she says in an interview that she no, doesn't like music to be put in genres. She does, mm-hmm. And this proves that like, it's got, she blends genres. It's got like, an urban flow to it. It's got Latin influences. It's got a big pop chorus. So yeah, mm-hmm. this basically shows off what she's about. Um, yeah, I wasn't aware of the potty mouth version. Uh, to me, it was oh, just called, really? to me, it was just called on the radio. I didn't realise it was called shit on oh, the radio. Oh, it's so much better saying you, you <laughs> let me tell you hid my shit on the radio. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, watching and listening to again, I think Gwen Stefani stole a lot of... Uh, image Stick. and a sound isn't she from uh from early nelly naughty grin but um again yeah it's it's better but we mm-hmm. still we still haven't reached the quality of of folklore yet which okay we will. and we're not going to get there yet because i've i've thrown in a curveball uh mm-hmm. as my next track i you know clearly i just want to keep hitting fran over the head with trip hop because i've picked the harder they come which is actually a Paul Oakenfold song featuring Nelly Furtado and Tricky. And it is a very, I would say, classically trip-hop song from 2002, so, you know, a little bit later after its heyday. But I, if if you told me, like, Nelly Furtado singing a trip-hop song, I'd have been like, mm, I can't see her fitting. And I think because she's so pop, yet also so multi-genre, because trip-hop is so much more down-tempo, I wouldn't have thought it worked. But for me, this absolutely works. Her strong voice, the jarring rhythm and tricky whispering underneath. I think it's great. And I had no idea that Paul Oakenfold could do trip hop. Fran? I am so happy that you did hear Tricky's voice because I thought it might be the devil talking to me. <laughs> is that the voices in your head? Is that what they sound like? <laughs> it is. Because Jesus, he's fucking scary on this song, he is, isn't he? He is. You know, well, you know, we, we've just done trip hop, but him on um, Take It There, he's, he's he's doing similar menacing whispers. He's, he's good at that. Um, yeah, ne- never heard this before. Um, again, you know, it's dance music you can't actually dance to. Um, it's uh, <laughs> extremely dramatic. I love the dun dun pianos, I love the strings, I love her vocal. It, it would be a great album opener. I'm, su- I'm surprised mm. it's like one of the last songs on the album. Silly, silly poor Oakenfield. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, this could be Uncle, this could be Massive Attack. Um, mm. I also set up a work with more house music, so it's interesting that he did this. So okay, I'm I'm ple- I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that you that you like this. I, I thought this could go either way for for whether mm. you'd like it or not. But I, I wanted to put this in again to just yeah show show how many types of genres she can dip her fingers into, and it works. Um, let's move on to uh, Island of Wonder. So I think this is the only folklore song I have picked. So yeah, de- devoted to hear that it's it's not one of your favourites. But yeah, I, I picked this one for a bit a bit more loserphone uh, knowledge as well. So had you heard of Caetano Veloz before? Uh, of course not. <laughs> of course, well, okay. Well, he is the master or one of the masters of Tropicalia. So you might know the Beck song Tropicalia, right? And that album Mutations is named after Uj Mutantish, who were a band 
that is influenced by the Tropicana movement. So I, I guess that that's that's the most that it's come into into the mainstream. But um, yeah, Tropicalia was a genre that was kind of an amalgamation of different Brazilian genres. So kind of more older stuff, but then more more popular stuff, but also avant-garde stuff. So basically blending lots of different Brazilian traditional styles. But now it's associated with this other faction, which merged those with British and American psychedelic and pop rock. So yeah, as well as Beck, you know, David Byrne, The Bird and the Bee, Devendra Barnhart of Montreal cite it as an influence. And Nelly Furtado says that he's her biggest musical influence. And and yeah, he's he's an interesting man. He's still going. He He's featured on a lot of uh, other artists' uh, songs as well. And she wrote this because she wasn't feeling very inspired at the time. And she was talking to her mum on the phone. And uh, they'd just been to the Azores because that's where her, where her parents are from. And the Azores are this island archipelago, part of Portugal off the... I was gonna say off the coast of Africa, but you know, a bit a bit further towards Bermuda. And her mum apparently said, Why don't you write a song called Island of Wonder? And her DJ sampled a Caetano Veloz song called Tonada de Luna Lena. And then it then he got so on board that he came along, sang in Portuguese, sang in English, and yeah, she was absolutely uh, delighted with that. It is not the kind of song that I would normally like, you know. It isn't you know, a genre that I would actively seek out. But I really like how everything comes together. There's these kind of constant claps, which reminds me of actually flamenco uh, rhythm. Some kind of synth panpipes going on in the background. It it sounds like water, which makes sense for for Island of Wonder. So yeah, it, it it's one on my chilled playlist. But you know, there's not many songs on my chilled playlist that also have like DJ scratches and some whistling um, on it. And I, I think because Caetano Veloso is obviously like in his advanced age now, I like how his vocals sound a lot more vulnerable compared to her quite warm and, and trippy vocals. But then the switch is right at the end where she's like breathing and he's whist- warbling absolute nonsense. So yeah, I think I, think, I just think it's a very original song. I wouldn't have thought he was that age. I thought he was like another young Portuguese star. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, I'd never heard this before. I mean, I'd never heard um, any album tracks. I just heard um, the song up next this is from mm-hmm. the same album and mm-hmm. uh try and powerless which i loved um so yeah um it's just do you put us on the of course you wanted to showcase the portuguese element as well yeah yes yes but i also like the song um it's a bit too disney for me really yeah oh, see normally bit. i would hate that and yeah I, I find the top line just quite bland it doesn't do much for me um, are you not moved by the water the... well i mean i'm a fan of rain but I guess not all bodies of water do it for me. <laughs> not all islands are wonderful in your mind. <laughs> so, yeah, this was uh, a song I'd skip, unfortunately. That's okay. That's okay. Because I think the next one, which yeah, actually is the other song I picked from Fogboy, mm-hmm. I didn't pick just one. I mean, Fran, I, I picked this thinking of you so we could have a little <laughs> chat. Of course, you knew I had to include this one. It's Forza, which was picked as the official anthem of the 2004 Euros, which were in Portugal and we lost to Greece. I'm still devastated about it. I don't think it's the best song in the world, but it's quite lifting. It has quite a charming music video of like kids losing a ball and and coming together to to recuperate it. And Nelly's there looking happy. And I didn't realize that, yeah, again, like she, she wrote it and it's inspired by real life interaction. So she says that when she was touring in Portugal, people would frequently say to her, Forza. So literally translated, it means strength, but when you use it as an expression, it means keep going or, you know, kick ass. 
And she said, it's also associated with sports. I put a feminine twist on the idea of how you feel when you're watching your favorite team. When you tie it internationality, it becomes pretty intense. So this is a happy song, a burst of energy. And there's this guy called Bella Fleck playing banjo on it. And then I was like, shit, is banjo a traditional Portuguese instrument? I don't know. And I looked it up and yes, there are Portuguese banjos, but I don't think he is playing one of them. I wouldn't automatically associate banjos with Portuguese music. There are other string instruments that I would, but um, yeah, I think... It's a really nice interpretation of, of yeah. I, I guess it's her taking some of her Portuguese heritage and and making it popular and making it more herself and and yeah, it was a really nice a really nice anthem for the Euros. Yeah, although I, I smell bullshit, Nelly. I don't, I don't think he had football in mind at all when he wrote the song. Uh, what? Come on, she, what? Did, she did not. She did not know she was going to be asked to sing the amp from the Portuguese Euros a year later. So I, I assume she just wrote Forza and then they tied, oh, okay. then they just tied it because a lot of times, um, big football tournaments will have like a North American singer like Anastasia, mm. and it's a song which has nothing to do with football. They kind of like shoehorn it into the into the football. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't believe she really thought about football. Bossy, I believe she, uh, she, you know, she sang it for the Portuguese um, people. But like, mm-hmm. I, I follow football, and no one in in, in Portugal ever sings Forza. <laughs> no, but but it topped the charts in Portugal when, of course, when yeah. it came out. So yeah. But obviously, you know, if they're hosting their first big tournament, you know, if they're gonna love anything associated at the Raver in England, then we all had to buy three lines because you know it's a song. <laughs> it's in England. It's coming home. Um, but yeah, although was there a pushback that she's Canadian? Do they mind that she's not really? Port- yes, they do, and there's mm. a lot of snobbery actually because she doesn't speak perfect Portuguese mm. and she has a bit of an accent and I find that as a as a Portuguese immigrant I find that really fucking snobby and annoying actually because if you're a Portuguese immigrant living abroad chances are you're not going to speak it perfectly so I I think be proud that you've got someone who's willing enough to like talk about her heritage and sing some songs in Portuguese rather than you know be snooty about her having a bit of a weird accent this is true and back to Forza um mm. yeah it's one hell of a catchy single mm. But yeah, it's, it's a bit throwaway, isn't it? But yeah, but it, it brings back memories of the glory of seeing Greece beat Portugal and Ronaldo crying. So, oh, over underrated, sous évalué, überschätzt, Okay, next pick. We are getting into the loose era. It is Glow from Loose, and Loose, I didn't know, had eight singles and sold 12 million copies worldwide. Um, and as mentioned, so it was recorded with Timberland in this kind of very intense setup in six weeks when she was living with um, with her, her baby in a hotel. And I had no idea Chris Martin got involved at this stage. That yeah, she met him and then found out that he was a big Timberland fan and Timberland was a big Coldplay fan. <laughs> and there's this quote where she says, so Chris gets to the studio the next night and he was sort of jamming on his acoustic guitar and Timberland is literally calling him Coldplay, not Chris. He's like, Coldplay, hey, check this out. Hey, Coldplay. <laughs> and yeah, she she said that before Loose, she, she wanted to do a, a pop album and she wanted to take a totally different approach because Woe Nelly took 18 months to record as opposed to the six weeks. And Madonna's Ray of Light is back. She said that she used it as a template for Loose. She said that it, she was smooth, but sexy, universal, ep- epic, iconic. And I didn't know this, but they... Timberland and Furtado fell out after the release of the album because of legal issues and apparently because Timberland didn't believe she was grateful enough. Fuck you, Timberland, as much as I like you. But they've since made up and, you know, I think it was 
kind of influential as to as to what happened next and why she I think wanted to be so much so much more independent. So I've picked two songs from this album, and the first one isn't even a single. It's called Glow, and what I didn't realize that I saw it in an interview. You know, there's this weird vocalizing at the beginning, right? And it's her hitting her neck, so she's she's like recording, going and like hitting her neck. <laughs> that's that's the vocal effect. And I mean, it's a it's a song that's got the dirty, dirty synths and bass with this kind of tinkling piano in the background occasionally. And from an album that has eight singles, and this is not a single, I still think it's an excellent song, and I really like the way she harmonizes with herself on it. Fran, hello. Um, <laughs> it's lucky that Chris Martin wasn't singing Godspeed Black Emperor um, <laughs> so uh, I had never heard this although it feels like I have because yes, th- that yes. production is instantly this sound so the reason I'm not a fan of Timberland because I think he is far too hands on and I, I think, mean, he literally puts his voice yeah, in yeah. everything. Yeah. And and like, so in another 10 years, I think oh, that era is going to sound so fucking dated. It'll be like Stock Aiken Waterman because all his tracks have to have his weird ad libs he does. His crap. Yeah, and his like, his dirty simps and that's and that sort of like beat loops. But I love it. Yeah, but yeah, but it's just the same. And, you know, this is a guy who tried to leave out of Duran Duran and made the worst Duran Duran album of all time. Right, here we go. Here's the beef. Here's the beef. Of course, if it wasn't going to be. Depeche Mode, there's a Duran Duran link. Yeah, all right, go on, Fran. Air, air your heartbreak. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at first I thought, yeah, fair enough, guys. You want to, you want to be big. I'm Timberland creates gold, and then he does Duran Duran, and he creates uh, absolute shit. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, so because of that production, it it taints glow. I, it wasn't the greatest uh, track I heard of that era. I believe she calls punk hop. Is that what she calls? Yeah, I believe, I believe that's what she calls this album. Um, so, yeah, not for me. I preferred the other tracks on the album and loose. Well, one of them is the, my next pick. Mm. So I did not pick Promiscuous Girl. I picked Manita. And I will tell you for why. Because I remember watching this video for the first time. I remember her coming on, taking a, taking a top off. Like, not off-off, but, you know, mm-hmm. wearing, like, a sort of a tank top. And the fucking bass comes in and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, she's back. This is totally different. And I was just absolutely blown away. And I, I just felt like I didn't, I wanted to include Glow as an example of like, wow, you know, this this song is of a similar ilk, not even a single, but still as good. But I, I had to include either Manita or Promiscuous Girl. And that's why I went for this one, even though I absolutely love Promiscuous Girl and the, the interplay between the two of them. But yeah, the the synth bass again contrasted with the drums, her voice, the catchy chorus. I really like as well how in the later choruses there's this kind of arpeggio synth going do 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 do, you know, kind of adding adding more. And I don't think I'd ever really paid attention to the fact that in the chorus, you know, you have these like very heavy drums, but you have this chorus of people as well, which I presume it's it's her voice and Timberland's voice well, saying. Uh... Uh... <laughs> A bit, a, bit, a, bit, a bit nicer than that but yeah. <laughs> thank you Fran and I've put in modern parlance her vocals are serving you know she speaks singing she's singing high she's singing low um, I like the fact that so the song's called Manita but whoever this person is because she switches between talking about me and her it doesn't feel like she's judging her it's just like yeah that's that's the way she is she's got everyone wrapped around her finger and you know the what I presume is the album version because 
I don't remember this in the single, but there's this kind of outro where she's going, she's a man eater. I, I really like that as well. And the drums are just great. But I don't think you like it as much as I do. Uh, so when it came out, I was sad it wasn't a cover of the Hall & Notes classic. Of course, um, of course. And I didn't like it because I thought, this is not Nelly Retarda. Yeah. This isn't powerless. What's, what on earth? Where's my foster girl? Um, <laughs> Where, where's my foster girl? <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, it, this song grew on me. And uh, I do mm. like it. I do like the sleazy. It's actually quite stripped down, really. It's just literally a beat yeah. and that keyboard bass. And that's it. Apart from some weird noises in the background. But, but I mean, I think the, the drums are the best thing mm. about Tribal, it. Tribal, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the drums make my feet work. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry, guilty, guilty, guys. It makes it sound like you had some kind of wasting disease where <laughs> you lost the use of your feet and then suddenly money... The power to- of <laughs> Timberland, thank you. But do you know what, right? So for, for me, this is uni era for me. So 2006 mm. was my, yeah, like first and second year of uni. And I feel like, th- so this this was the album before Future Sex Love Sounds and makes so much sense when you realise that, that like, yeah, I guess this was Timberland starting with that and then continuing with Justin Timberlake. And I'm like, I listened to Sexy Back way more than Manita or Promiscuous Girl at uni and I'm annoyed about this. <laughs> I, mean, was, I, I thought he did that first. I thought Tim, Timberlake was like... No. And yeah, just going back to feminism, because of course, um, yeah, there was this lot, a lot of like, oh, she's trying to be sexy. And again, there's this very nice sort of summary of it. So it says that yeah, Fruttada was immediately and notably one of the first Canadian artists to experience public slut shaming, you know, after after Morissette. What, because of this video? Because I mean, oh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She's wearing a white t-shirt. That's not I know, Canadian. but she's, ta- she's taking her top off. Like it, it's, you know, in, you know, when you think about I'm like a bird, she's wearing like a long sleeve red top. She's mm. got her hair tied up in a bun. Like it's all very innocent. But here it's like, yeah. So this, this uh, journalist who I've put as young, the media focused you know on the example that she was setting the tarting up of a canadian good girl romantic relationships between her and her producers her sexual orientation her clothing her midriff because yeah that that was a lot of focus i remember it's just like whoa you can see her belly you know that's you couldn't see that before uh to continue the quote and all kinds of superficial sexist crap that had nothing to do with her music what her music meant or what strength it might give to other women struggling with the very same gender dichotomies and double standards and yeah i was my mind was blown that she was a mother you know that that she really it's like what what a big fuck you to kind of traditional notions of motherhood of like yeah this has happened i'm gonna keep working gonna keep them alive and actually you know it's quite positive that i've gained some weight because now i i feel much sexier and that was totally i mean i don't know if, if that was the narrative she was pushing although i did see i did see interviews from that area where she she does talk about it but it's like i i feel that the way that this song is seen and everything else it's she hooked up with tyndall and the cool urban artist you know, she had to be sexy and that's it. And it's like, that wasn't, she was never forced to do this. She wanted to do this and it was received way too negatively, in my opinion. So I watched all of the videos back to back and uh, yes. in the first video, she's basically in a bikini covered in mud. And that's <laughs> okay. 2001. So oh, really? How, yeah. So how is this in any way worse? And like, what she's shows off her her stomach it's 2006 yeah. for fuck's sake Madonna... no but yeah but but these, these were the naughty the naughties were like this the really? naughties were very sl- yeah the no- i mean when you think about how paris hilton lindsay lohan britney spears were written about how i think i saw a tweet today which was like it was just absolutely acceptable to like paparazzi take pictures upskirt pictures of women coming out of cars it was this kind of dual like fascination but but hate whereas now you know it's that, that just doesn't happen in the same way anymore my next pick is give it to me 
So it's a Timberland song from Shock Value with Justin Timberlake and Nelly Furtado. I listen to this song all the time and I don't know why. It starts really weirdly. It's like almost like Timberland talking to himself. Then this fantastic rhythm comes in, but it starts off beat. Like Nelly comes in off beat. So you're like, what is happening? And it's a bit of a disverse. She's saying, I'm the type of girl that will look you dead in the eye. I'm the Wonder Woman. Let me go get my ropes. I'm a supermodel and mummy and Amnesty International got bankrupt. I'm on top. You love my ass and my abs and the video called Promiscuous. And my favorite, my style is meticulous. Uh, And then suddenly we're in the chorus, complete change talking about and then being in the club and being really cool people. You know, Timberland and Justin come back and they're also being very sort of sarky. So Justin's bit is hilarious because he's saying like, sitting on the top, it's hard to hear you from way up here. I saw you trying to act cute on TV. Let me just clear the air. We missed you on the charts last week. Damn, that's right. You wasn't there. If sexy never left, then why is everybody on my shit? Don't hate on me just because you didn't come up with it. Uh, So it's this very bizarre song where you have these verses that are just like, fuck you. And then suddenly Nelly comes in to be like, if you see us in the club. And it's, it's quite lush. And she harmonizes really well with herself. And the fact that it's called Give It To Me, I feel like it could mean so many different things. It could be sexual. It could be like, give me the criticism. I can take it. Or it could be, give it to me because whatever whatever you throw at me, I, I'm, I'm Teflon. So I know it's a weird pick, but I really like it. What do you think? I haven't heard this for 15 years. Um, but you were, okay, so you knew, you knew this song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's Team Timberland. Um, it, ha- it has him gurning in the video, as per usual. It's a weird video. He, likes, he, he loves a lot of looks to Cameron, doesn't he, old Timberland? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got the, uh, the, the... It sounds a little bit like Maneater in production. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's got the ad-libs. It's got the, self, the self-referencing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it doesn't have the magic of the songs from Loose, in my opinion. And, yeah, I was about to say, I prefer the single with Katy Perry, but it turns out... That's on his follow-up album, Shock mm-hmm. Value 2. So yeah, this is not for me. I think that uh, Nelly was better without. Moving on to the next decade of uh, Nelly. Indeed we are. And so this song is called Big Hoops, brackets, the bigger the better. And I think if someone asked me what my life motto was, I think this would be it. And off record, I said to Fran that like this almost feels cultural to me because I feel like in Portugal hoop earrings are quite normal but growing up in england they were seen as quotes chavi mm-hmm. right and i think as someone stuck between two identities i deliberately didn't wear hoops for quite a while because i felt like yeah I was, it's almost like i wasn't adapting and and my ex-boyfriend used to say that i i looked more portuguese <laughs> when i wore hoop earrings which i think is is kind of true so i absolutely love seeing a portuguese artist absolutely taking this on board even though she's actually talking about it more in terms of uh, the music she used to listen to back in the 80s and 90s. So this this song is about that, about those the R&B and hip-hop songs that were big when she was a teenager. Brack, you know, quotes, wearing these big hoop earrings and big jeans and a backpack. And it's full of references. I've taken a screenshot of uh, someone who's literally time-stamped the YouTube video with all the different ones. I, you know, I will go into it if you want me to. <laughs> if you've done the same, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we can get into it. And... You know, I can't deny it sounds a bit like Timberland. And one of the songs she references is The Rain by Missy Elliott and Timberland. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really, it's a really good song. And just as you think like, okay, this is maybe a little bit, you know, Timberland-esque. She then says, oh, 
I thought the song was over and it wasn't. And then it goes into drum and bass. <laughs> you're like, whoa, okay, you're, you're, you're throwing a lot into this. And I'd seen the cover image for the video, but never seen the video. And I just saw it and it's kind of mad because she's wearing a lot of hope earrings. Okay, it is honestly, I have ADHD, but even I was overwhelmed with how quickly it jumped from frame to frame. Swarovski are the clear promoters because there's like all these close-ups of the swan. But what I enjoyed about it was that um, there's a lot of native, I guess, Native Americans or Native Canadians dancing. So again, it's like, she's talking about like, the culture she grew up with. She's talking about kind of these big hoops and bringing that on. I, I think it ties it quite nicely together. Fran, what do you think? Yeah, it's a, an interesting video, although I have no recollection of this happening whatsoever. Mm. Um, don't remember Nelly Furtado on stilts. I, I don't, but also apparently this was a hit in the UK as well, apparently, I'm looking up the old internet. Mm. So yeah, it references all these uh, classic hip-hop tunes, but it feels more of her improvising in a studio than an actual song, if that makes sense. Like, mm. it's, a, it's a lot of her just repeating phrases again and again around a, a groove. There's a bit of auto-tuning, which I'm never fond of. So yeah, it's it's very loose. Um, oh, nice. But... but yeah, I like the, the the last section when the the the, the BPM speeds up. That's mm-hmm. that bit's more enjoyable. Apart from that, it's a bit irritating, unfortunately, for me. Irritating, so, strong words. Yeah, so unfortunately, I'm not not a fan of big hoops. Although earring wise, couldn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I I I can understand that, but yeah, no, I I I think it's very layered and. Because I do like the Timberland production, and this is clearly inspired by it, I'm on board. So, um, yeah, to her final album. Yeah, so, yeah, Big Hoops was from The Spirit Indestructible, 2012. This next song, Cold Hard Truth, is from The Ride, 2017, so, so five years later. And there is a lot going on here, but I think she pulls it off again. I would say Timberland inspired with dirty, dirty bass in the verses combined uh, with some synths. But the chorus is much poppier. And I, yeah, I, I kind of picked this as my last one because it was the most recent one, but I, I feel like it is the it is the most Nelly Furtado song in a way. Okay, maybe there's some acoustic guitars missing. Um, but I, I think it's catchy. I think she brings in a lot of elements. There's even some cowbell. And looking at the lyrics, it's like, this could very well be, about, I mean, it could be about a relationship, but it, it also feels like it's her talking about her collaborators because it's, it's basically like the cold hard truth is I can, I can basically do it by myself. And one thing that I didn't mention, um, and I'll mention it now, when she, she was recording Loose, she said she was obsessed with electro rock. Quote, I love Block Party and Death From Above. These were young people making rock and alternative that was also steeped in the rhythmic knowledge of a world with hip hop in it. Timberland and I were both listening to this stuff. I really wanted it to have that kind of energy. So we were doing this like a garage band, writing and recording as we went and sometimes mixing and doing vocals. And I I think that comes across to me here as well. What did you think? Um, so when Ride for Ride came out, mm. um, I heard it was a, a pop focused album. Mm. And I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, interesting. Is it going to be like, you know, folklore? Mm-hmm. And then I didn't like anything on it. And I was a little bit hurt. Um, <laughs> hurt? Strong. Nelly. A little bit hurt. You know, come and give some words of consolation to this poor man. Because she kept going on about, you know, wanting to make a melting pot of music and mm. try, trying lots of new things. But it seems like she hasn't really re- reinvented herself since Loose. You know, mm-hmm. the, first, the first three albums, each album was quite a different change, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that she, like, yeah, like I said, it's, it still echoes Timberland. It's like, well, mm-hmm. at, that was 10 years ago. But I think mm-hmm. it'd be nice if she tried something else by now. So again, the, it, the repeating the last uh, word of you first, I found irritating. I don't know if you enjoyed that. Did you enjoy that? <laughs> I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. Yeah. It, does, it, it has a Prince vibe to it. Um, mm-hmm. with the with the keyboard, but it's it's lacked the Prince pop hook, so it's like poor man's Prince. Um, yeah, it just lacked the magic of um of early Nelly, and yeah, I I think it would be maybe if she tried to change the genre again, that she might you know rim, uh, something else could come out of her maybe because she's got a lot of talent, but I don't see it on this album sadly. Hmm. Yeah, I guess Loose was such a I guess concept album, mm. right? Yeah, the, the her first three albums had more of a thread running through it, whereas I think her later work, it's, it is basically her throwing everything but the kitchen sink at it. I don't mind that because I I think what I'm not such a big fan of, of Wonelli or Folklore is when it gets a little bit too acoustic-y and a little bit too earnest. I prefer Dirty Dirty Bass Nelly as a general rule, even though you know I really love Turn Off The Light and uh, Remember The Days because it blends so many genres so i think with the last two songs that i picked i like them because they blend so many genres and because i like the timberland production it doesn't bother me that it sounds timberland-esque but i can understand if you do like folklore and other stuff that you she hasn't quite gone back to that i think but you know i'm sure she's going to release music soon it's been five years it's been five years right but and but the thing is, so she had a she has a she had a kid just before loose mm. and i think has split up from the father but she has two more kids but mm-hmm. there's not um I don't think a father's been publicly claimed. And there's, yeah, in the Larry King interview that really, I really recommend anyone checking out. Just, it is an artist talking about their work and it's super interesting and not at all what you'd expect from your your standard pop star. Larry's basically like, who's your husband or who are you married to? In this very yeah. kind of old-fashioned way. And she's like, yeah, I'm not married at the moment. So, you know, I'm sure that if she, you know, making no presumptions, but if she's not, if she's not with someone but has three kids, I'm sure she's been busy just like any parent would be. Um, but yeah, it, I I would really love to see Nelly come back. And yeah, her firstborn will now be like twenty years old. So yeah, oh, she could eat, I know she could even be her <laughs> new guitar player. We're old. We're old. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so following the trip through the discography, do you think Nelly is underrated? Nelly Furtado, I should say. I do like the rapper Nelly, uh, but it's Nelly Furtado. Yeah. Um, so coming into this podcast, I was expecting to be excited by listening back to some Nelly Furtado I've not listened to her for a long long time I, I thought Alanis would be a struggle and sadly to say I preferred Alanis to Nelly which was unexpected it, but is it because of the of the tracks you've given me because like mm. you know four or five songs I know like are not on this playlist mm-hmm. so maybe a different selection could have mm-hmm. given me a, a different feeling but with the songs you've, you've presented to me today I would say that she isn't underrated unfortunately because mm-hmm. she sold 40 million albums which is a lot mm-hmm. a lot so it's not as if you know she's hiding under a rock many people have heard of Nelly Furtado um I don't know how many albums she sells na- nowadays but yeah so sadly yeah on listening to these 10 songs I would probably say I like four out of ten mm-hmm. yeah I mean you know I was more focused I think on showcasing mm-hmm. all eras and showcasing the lesser known songs like of course i could have put i'm like a bird and uh you know promiscuous girl and 
say it again or, or whatever it is but I was like that's too easy like that's 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 too easy and that's not the brief here um yeah I think the the only you know the the true proper concession that I put was putting Forza on there because you know play <laughs> might enjoy the football chat yeah I think given your particular criticism of the songs that you don't like I can understand that you know if you're not such a big fan of Timberland's production which I am and it, it runs through a lot of these songs uh, I can understand that you would think that she's she's underrated, but I would say that, you, you know, most people haven't heard any of her songs since Loose. I think there's some really great songs on there. And even the lesser known songs from the Wonelli and Folklore era are very good too. So to me, she, she is underrated despite having, you know, the 14 million something listeners or whatever it is, because I really think that she is too pigeonholed for who she is and she's she's not even like a pop star or just a musician like she is an artist an artist steeped in many genres in many styles with a global outlook blending all sorts of genres not many people who are as popular as she is are doing that and doing it as effectively and 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 bridging that so so yeah i to, to me i think until she has that reputation i will continue saying she is underrated well you know i hope to see a life I'm mm-hmm. sure I will, because she's still, you know, what, 43? Something like that, yeah, I'd still, imagine. Still, yeah, plenty of life. And absolute MILF, even if I do say so myself. Yeah, indeedy, indeedy, yes. Well, she says <laughs> that she, uh, you know, she doesn't mind the, the ladies too, so who knows what can happen. Oh, well, that, that was a bit, yeah, she said, what was it, like, heterosexual but open-minded? Yeah. So, yeah <laughs> I, th- I think that's probably me as well, so yeah. give me, Come on, Nanny, give me a call, let's let's chat. Let's chat Portuguese banjo music. <laughs> And then have a lovely game of football. Forza, Forza. <laughs> Forza, yeah, indeed. So thank you for listening, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, hello again. And thank you so much for getting this far. So, is Alain's Mossa overrated? Is Nelly Vitada underrated? You can let us know on social media. We are on Instagram at over underrated music pod. And we are on Twitter at OU Music Pod. So give us a follow. Also, subscribe to this podcast. Tell, you know, two friends. And uh, see you next time, guys. Well, maybe not see, but you'll hear us next time. Anyway, bye for now. <laughs>